welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Oh, and we're live, bro. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Now, can I say something that they should do in the comments? Can it be as long as it's kind? Yes. I should say, if you did something real, real fun for Mother's Day, I want you to put a M mom in the chat. Okay? You want to tell, wait, and put an M mom. Put, no, put mom in the chat. So oh, so they write, up. they put the word mom if they did something fun for Mother's Day? Yeah. All right, you're feeling pretty energetic so, tonight, huh? I hope you guys did something fun, because you better go subscribe to my channel, because that's sweet. <laughs> my channel is... Get out of here. Get out of here. dog. Hey, everybody, what's up? Um, It's Sunday night, and we're like a couple minutes late because we got caught up watching... We went down the rabbit hole of watching old Mother's Day videos, Um, and that... You know, it is, it consumes you. Um, so what's up, everybody? Um, uh, Tracy Pinter, I worked my second job, if that counts. Aww. Only if your second job is at Chuck E. Cheese. And then, yes, it counts. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. What about, never mind. That was gonna, that was a dumb joke. I have a stupid joke. No, you said it. I was going to not say it because I thought it was dumb. The mamas and the papas. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's Sunday Night Teacher Talk. So if you're new, I'm going to say this real quick while people are – you can look at that stuff. Um, for my phone's over there somewhere. Um, if you've not here, been here before, Sunday Night Teacher Talk is a way to sort of like um, rid yourself or deal with your, your anxiety before you go into school tomorrow. And especially this time of year. Like we're getting closer and closer. I only have two days of actual school this week, and then we have a Keystone test this week, which is like the PA – testing thing and then that's that so um yeah we uh what do we got anything else going on this week yeah oh no no all right i don't know i don't know either oh um the winner of our scholastic yeah was Karen Jean Hunt? Yeah, so Karen Jean Hunt won the uh, one-year Scholastic uh, membership. So, uh, but we—I don't think we got an email from her yet. No. Right? Mm -mm. So if we get if we don't get an email by Wednesday, we'll pick a new winner. Yeah. So if Karen Jean Hunt doesn't tune in by Wednesday and say that you know claim her prizes, then uh, it's going to be an issue, Karen. Um, look, I got these from my classroom. My wife picked up for me Some giant <laughs> boxing gloves. They're from the dollar <laughs> section at Target. Um, probably not the safest thing you could bring in, but look, your hand goes to oh, it. Fantastic. You punch people. Um, and I got, so I was getting, look, and I understand this. I was getting, um, some stuff about like having water pistols in school, especially like with, you know, all the violence that's in schools. But so I found, um, We've found, been looking for I've been forever. looking for something else, but I found crocodiles. It looks like you push their belly button in or something like that. Um, and it's like water pistols, but they're crocodiles. So I hope I get less angry comments now. Oh, Tracy um, Pinter said she's taking her students uh, to an amusement park. Um, 
she said, say a prayer, all goes well. You yeah. can say a prayer for CJ because he's doing yes. the same thing. That I did not want to go to the amusement park, but we take the seniors every year. Um, and I never go. Especially like after 30 something, like you can't do like roller coasters anymore. Something changes in your head or something, and it makes me well, I hate for it. You, I love so, but I'm going to Great Adventure for the first time in like forever. Uh, because Cho is making me do it. And so I'm gonna make Cho buy me all the pictures though from every ride that they take of you because Cho will just look like this all the time. And then <laughs> so I get to go and bother Cho, which is good. And I maybe I'll bring these. Maybe Cho will knock me out with one of these. There you go, fist bump. Um, so what's up, everybody? What questions do you have? Um, I don't know that we're gonna go super long this week just because it's Mother's Day and um, I want to hang out with my baby mama over here. And so, uh, <laughs> my baby mama. I mean, technically you are my baby's I mean, I mama. Mm -hmm. So just saying, um, and that's that. Uh, <gasps> oh my gosh, Richard Royster. Okay. Read his comment. These things they are awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, what is Richard Royster saying? Last, last time we went to the amusement park, a kid needed medical treatment because he took hallucinogenics. Oh my goodness. That is, seems like a terrible idea. Like, it seems like when you're a teenager, you'd be like, nah, bro, let's like get high and go on a roller coaster. But like, as an adult, you're like, no, that's a terrible idea. Like, you're going to be freaking out, man. Um, so that's it. Uh Tabitha Tilly. Tabitha Tilly, I see that one, says, have you started homeschooling yet? No, we're going to finish out the school year. So our, for those that don't know, we're going to homeschool our kids next year. Um, and so the, the my, my kids have a host of issues, right? And so like from needing like Orton Gillingham reading stuff to like uh, bro having like high functioning autism and dyslexia and other stuff. And then Mar has her ho own host of issues and stuff. And we found that our school just like wasn't doing it. Like they weren't giving us what they said they would do. We would go into IEP meetings and they would promise things. And then the next meeting they would oh, change it. Uh, they'd say, we didn't say that. And so we had to start like recording the meetings because they said it. And advocates, advocates lawyers, blah, blah, blah. lawyers, like like all kinds of stuff. And then that was the, ri the ripple effects of that like into my life to the point where we just figured like we could probably do this ourselves. Like, so we're just going to pay for a tutor for Brody to have Orton Gillingham and then just uh, Jenna is going to not work next year. And that also helps with the business as well. But then um, with like all the YouTube business and all the stuff that that is, is kind of like turning into. So then we'll just do homeschooling next year. Um, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm You're excited. just excited to I'm wear your pajama pants all day. No, um, no, I'm excited to, to, like really instill a love of learning for our children. Cause I don't think that that's happened with all the sort of like no. things, like the things to overcome in a traditional school setting, it hasn't worked well for, for either one of our kids. And so they really, really actually hate school and that's bothersome to me. I yeah. want to instill a love of learning for my children yeah. and I haven't been able to do that. So I'm really excited to like show a new way to, to learn and to love learning for them this year. Yeah. So. Well said, love. Um, cool. So what do we got? Nothing. Yeah, we do. Oh, we got one. Here you go. Is it Jade Dobson? Uh, no. Oh, because she has a question on there too. We'll go ahead. 
It was the one above that, actually, Zach Masters. Uh, Zach McMasters is, is saying, just finished my Julius Caesar, Caesar unit ahead of schedule, and we have two weeks left. My kids are absolutely cray-cray. What should I do? Experiment with something. Come up with, like, a new – come up with something that you think would just be fun. Like, um, I don't know, read a comic book or something like that and, like, break down how comic books are, are written. Like, the like why the, like, different pains are – are the way that they are like uh I, oh where's that book we just bought today we just bought this rad book um target. here's an idea at target they have these things it's not a sponsored ad as if target would sponsor me but you open this up and it's just blank comic book pages but they're all different sizes and stuff and so it would be fun to have kids like write a story from their life but like you have to do it in here and then you have to have like the text box at the top and then speech bubbles and then Look at like you can find all this stuff online, like why different speech bubbles are shaped the way. So like, does it show excitement? Does it show thought? Are they speaking? Um, and then it has the title on the page. So we bought this for our kids, but I'm just going to take it to school and um, like copy it and then just reuse it and in my classroom. And I think that could be a really fun idea. Um, that's what I would do, or or just any kind of experiment. Like I'm going to do some hip hop stuff at the end of the year, cause I only have two days this week to actually do something. And we're doing think circa right now, which I know is Tracy Pinterest favorite thing in the world. Um, and I have guys that are like finishing up. So it's like, what do I do with those kids that aren't, or I'm using a lot of stuff from Scholastic magazine. Um, and although I was sponsored by them, this is not a sponsored post, but I am using like, uh, some of their magazines and their articles because I found that my students were having a very hard time in Think Circa finding evidence or proving that they found evidence. And so I found articles that like require them to go in and like highlight the evidence. And since I have the magazines in their mind, they can just write right in the magazine and it works really well. Um, what did Jade say you were asking me, dude? Hey Reynolds, I can't watch the stream live anymore because of school hours, but I wanted to ask about parent-teacher conferences. I have my first one tonight. Any advice? Uh, tonight on well, a it's, she lives oh oh all right so um what do you do and not do i have a video on that jade so like if you go if you go if you go on anyone's youtube channel there's a separate search box at the top and if you type in like parent conference or teacher conference or something like that it's like the top five things to do that i thought were like the average right so a lot of people will say like make sure you say like something nice and then the difficult thing and then something else nice. And that's one way, but like, I just have like some different thoughts on that. So, um, yeah, my hair annoys me in that video. Side note. Um, um, Erica white church said, uh, happy mother's day. I know a lot of people have, I appreciate it. Thank you. Happy mother's day to you. If you're a mama, um, Tabitha Tilly, is there any way that you can email us all your YouTubers that you watch that are homeschoolers? I would love that. I actually didn't even think of that. Kind of, I don't know why. You have like, to say the question, dude. Well, no, I'm. She, no, I already know no what one it knows is. What talking about. Well, I'm just talking straight to her. Oh, all right. Because she said that she has. Have I asked? Have I watched any? Um, and look, YouTubers? and homeschooling is such an odd thing for us too because it's like growing up, like the kids I knew that were homeschooled were like odd kids that were like super churchy and had like big giant posters in their windows against abortion. And like, um, they were just, they didn't jive well with other people. And so 
there's this stigma around it. Right. And then like, um, so trying to find other people that you can actually sort of get down with is really important. I think. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that's true so much for, for nowadays. I think no, I don't think it is at all. Is so poor. But I also look at like, our, like my, uh, cousin-in-law, Sean, um, so like growing up, like his life oh, was yeah. like that too. Look, yeah. the hotline's ringing. Um, all right, so I know we're like way off the mark this week. Um, I'm looking for questions. Uh, Richard Royster said, "Will would you or will you have your kids go through school when they're old enough?" Yeah. So the idea is to pay for private school eventually. Like I think that's what they're going to need. And we found a really great private school in uh, Delaware. So which probably requires to move a little bit, which is fine. Um, called the yeah, pilot but, school. Yeah. But that only goes to eighth grade. So I don't know about. Yeah. So grade. it's like, it's trying to figure that out. But yeah, I don't think, I think we're good at homeschooling for now. I think high school is going to be a stretch because there's stuff that um, I don't let, we don't know. Like I, I no so, way, Richard Royster. My school? No. And so, look, <laughs> the main reason for not my school, I think, is it's all the way in West Philadelphia, which is about 20 minutes away. And I want my my kids to be able, my son anyway, like to be able to like connect with the students that he's friends with. And I don't want to drive all the way to West Philly. And although West Philly is getting better, like I just don't want my son having to ha like it's too violent still. And, and I wouldn't want him to like like for that to be the place to kind of like walk around and, and hang out and stuff. Um, so that, that would be a good fit. Uh, okay. I'm going to try and go in order. Although I see other homeschool questions, but let me go in order because. Okay. Cause uh, otherwise we miss people. Yeah. And I don't want to miss people. So looking it up, I could sing a song while we're waiting. Mm, I'm sure you could. <clears throat> His mother say, you're going to really torture me like that? No, but now that Frozen song stuck in my head. We just watched a video of Marley when she was little singing that song from Frozen. Uh, there you go. Not stuck in my head. Uh, so, um, Pipe Father Plumbing Class is saying, I teach plumbing in a technical school. I think I remember you being on here before. Do you generally plan a full semester or tentatively plan for a semester or not at all? P.S. My daughter is homeschooled and plays Little League sports, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah. I love hearing good stuff about that. So I plan um, the year in advance. And then I go, so we have trimesters. So I plan trimester to trimester loosely. And then, because you're just not sure like what else is going to show up. And then what I do is for each unit, I reverse engineer, right? And so I'll have like, here's my test. And this is what I want my students to know by the end of it. And then I just reverse engineer that. So like I will literally just go on like dateandtime.com or something and get um get like print out like calendars. And then I put in any dates that like I know we have testing or I know there's a field trip or I know there's an assembly. So I have all of that on there. And then I just reverse engineer like the number of pages I need to read a week with my students. And then what lessons I want to do each week. So I usually introduce a lesson on Tuesdays and then there's some sort of assessment on that on Friday. And then that that's as much planning as I do. All of my journal entries that I do every day are spur of the moment. Like I just think of them on the way to school because I don't know what's hot right then. I don't know what the kids are going to be talking about, what's interesting to them and stuff like that. So I, I want that to be like fresher. Um, and then... Yeah. And then that's it. And then I just 
so like all the big stuff is planned and then it's all the little in between things and how I'm going to transition that is new every year. Is Mark going somewhere? Yeah, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on combo classes in elementary school? Meaning what? Um, and somebody else might be able to speak to this better. That's an elementary teacher, but can you, uh, Allie, can you say what, what that means? Cause I like, sometimes it's like just a different terminology that like, I don't, like that different states use for different stuff or different places use for different stuff. Um, so Tony is asking, Tony Mahler is asking, what's your reason for private institutions for your kids? I just, so in looking at schooling for Brody, it is, so with my son's disabilities or, or just his learning differences are, we found that like, Things like, uh, so we visited a number of, of private schools and the private schools that are made for kids like Brody are so amazing. Like they tailor their curriculum to the kid and not to the class and not to the age. And that for us was a really big selling point. Um, and there's less kids in the classroom and like little things like this, right? So kids Brody's age would go into a class. Can you tell her to be a little bit quieter? Um, they can go into a class where there's like five or six students. They all have sort of manipulatives on their desk. They all are eating like snacks and have water. They can take their shoes off if they want. If they have, um, like both of my kids have, uh, what do we call it? Like when they can't wear certain clothes and stuff like that. Sensory issues. Sensory issues and stuff like that. So like if you want to wear shorts all year, you can do that. If you want to take your shoes off in class because it makes you comfortable, you can do that. And although those seem like little things, what it's doing is it is removing distractions that are, are, are bogging them down. So right now, last year, Brody was in a room that was like the size of a large, it was the OT room um, that they ran out of classrooms at the new school. So they put all the kids in the OT room that had no windows. It was a cinder block wall room with no posters up, these strong fluorescent lights, no computers, no technology. There wasn't a projection screen or a projector. The teacher had a computer, um, but not like big enough that everyone could watch anything. And they just sat in desks in a circle and did everything out of workbooks all day. And so when you have a kid with ADHD and who's autistic and who has um, like uh, auditory processing disorder and a whole bunch of other stuff, like that's the worst environment to have these kids in. And like, even the walls were like this awful yellow color. It wasn't even like a kind, like gentle color. And the school just refused to do anything about it. And, and it was like, so what now? Like, so, and then we go to these other schools and they're just so well done and so thoughtful. I think that was the reason for private school is, is that piece. They are thoughtful about the students. And although I'm sure there are public schools out there that could do that as well, it's too much of a crapshoot. You can't see what their special ed programs are like in New Jersey until you enroll your kid in that school. And I just don't want to play that game. So that's why. So if I have to pay for that, um, hopefully, you know, all this YouTubing and all this other stuff that I'm planning outside of YouTube will build something big enough that I can pay for private school for my kids. Um, B. Francis is asking, how do you change or adapt your curriculum after a school year? So um, I... I take notes every single time that I do something or I used to use my voice memo also because it was easier for me to just like stream of conscious 
do that, but I'm terrible at like remembering stuff. I think I'm good at it, but my wife, if my wife is here, she would tell you all the time. She's like, dude, write it down because you're going to forget um, what's going on. So we have all these cool ideas for the book that I'm writing right now that like as I'm getting closer to finishing the first draft, like what do we want it to look like? How do we want to format it? What's the best use? How can we connect a book to YouTube and, and stuff like that? Um, and my wife is always like, dude, you got to write this down because you're going to forget it. And that's true. So the end of each plan, uh, whether it's a lesson plan or a unit plan, I write down, here's all the things that went well this year. And here's all the stuff that was a train wreck. And every year that, you know, I think teachers, you'll find like teachers often say that like at the end of three years or five years, you feel like you hit, um, you can coast a little bit. And I'm not so sure that's the gig because things I've done one year that were a total hit that like were amazing. The next year kids are like, eh, not really feeling this. Um, and because the classes are so different, that makes, you know, it, those sorts of things different. So I, I, what I've learned is I'm building all of these different sort of projects or lessons up and then what that allows me to do is offer them and say to the kids, like, here's, here's five different things or three different things. You need to pick one that is closest to how you learn or how you want to learn. And they're all essentially teaching the same thing, but there's just three different avenues on how you're going to learn and then show that you learned that and then teach the class that thing. So that allows you to do that as well. But I just it's just taking notes. Um, and then I look at that right before I go back to school and then, and then I can reinform sort of my practice that year. So my wife just left to take my daughter to a friend's house. So, um, I have to find my own questions. That's not easy. Um, Tara Sharp is saying I'm a primary school teacher. What are your views on sending disruptive children out of class to another class? So it depends, Tara. Like I, I put kids out all the time. So on Friday, I think it was Friday, I had a couple of kids that look there. I have certain students. We have a rotating schedule. So my on Mondays tomorrow, my classes will run from first period to seventh period on Tuesday. I start on second period. So by the end of the week, my fifth period class is first. So kids that I have first period early in the morning, when I have them at the end of the day, maybe someone's meds have worn off. Maybe someone got in trouble a bunch of times. Maybe someone went is going through something or whatever it is and they their behavior is just different and i'll tell kids like look you know especially at this point of the year like look we know this isn't going to get better i've already talked to you about it three times and you can't like um you're not you're turning someone else's computer off you're singing out loud you're causing a disruption and touching someone else's stuff like i think you would if you go to the office and i have this connection with the person in the office which is miss cho who's my grade level dean she and I are friends. And so I'll just text and say like, yo, are you in the office? Um, my man's having a hard time focusing in here. And if he's in there, then the distractions sort of dissipate because he's sitting just with Cho in the room. And she's making sure that like, he's just sitting quietly at a desk alone and he can get stuff done. So that, that is my main reason for doing that. And then other times, like, look, kids come to school with, with baggage and, or with whatever, like, or they just don't want to do it. And I will definitely put kids out um, because it's distracting the rest of the class. And so I have guys that like, if we're doing independent reading on Wednesdays, 
they like to like throw the door open and make a production out of the fact that they just walked in the room. But it's like, dude, everyone else is working quietly. And I, I relate it to, I go, I just put the baby to bed. And now you want to come in the house, like making all kinds of noise. And so sometimes that they do need to be removed and then they just need to be checked because they're kids, like they're teenagers. Like I get that, like, you know, this year has been difficult and I've had a lot of conversations about this in that some years, this is like the sweet spot. Everyone knows how we roll. They know how I roll. They know what I'm about. They know what the class is about. And we just finish out the year and it's this real smooth ride this year for whatever reason, it has not been that. And it's just about checking kids and then having those conversations on how you act, how you enter a classroom. Um, but the bottom line is like they're young and they don't think ahead of time all the time because that's part of being young is just do stupid crap like out of nowhere. And, you know, then adults have to deal with it. Uh, Cheyenne Moore is asking, how do you play them when you first started out until you got the pacing down? So I think I overplanned. Um, Cause what I didn't want to do was run out of stuff per each class, right? Like that was a total freaking nightmare. It was like, if you had like five minutes left or if something took way less time than you thought and you're like, Oh no, I'm going to melt because like the kids are like, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? Um, so I think I just overplan stuff or I expect that things aren't going to take as long because you can always push stuff to the next day, but over, after a while, you just get better at like having a feel of how the kids are going to move through something. It's kind of like when you first start driving, right? You're When you first start driving, you're always looking at the speedometer to make sure that you're going the right speed limit. And when you don't, like when you get older, when you've driven for a longer time, like you just don't have to do that. You can feel it out, like how fast you need to be going or, or how, like if you're going the speed limit, like you don't have to look at the speedometer every two seconds. Um, so that helps. Uh, and then just making notes of like, you know, I think sometimes putting a timer on for certain activities. So like if you are doing something, telling kids there's five minutes to do this and then making a note, like was five minutes enough? Was it not enough time? And uh, because you just get better at like actually teaching to the bell. And then you also have like all of these like little tips and tricks on how can I like, okay, you're looking at the clock and it's still 15 minutes left and you know, you only have 10 minutes of actual stuff left. How can I have a quick conversation about this? How can I ask the students about something or have them add something or do something a little bit fun or silly that's going to make up some time so that you are ending at the bell without having too much time? Um, Emma's asking, what do you do during the day? If you have a bad session, just press the reset button. Um, sometimes. So sometimes if I'm having a terrible day, like, you know, the trouble with that is I don't ever want to freak out at a kid. And so I have had, we have like personal family stuff going on right now with like, not us, but with like people sort of outside of our household that are still part of the family. Um, and it's brought a lot of, I don't know, what's the word you would use? Anxiety, stress, Anxiety, yeah, like, like, sadness. like arguments that we are having, um, it's bled that are almost life. like ridiculous. Like, um, because we were sort of laughing the other night that, like, we don't have, like, look, and this is like more information than is necessary, maybe, but like, I don't know, we've been together for what 24 years. I was 18, mm -hmm. she was 10. No, that's not <laughs> uh, that, was dark, that was a dark, weird, gross uh, <laughs> joke. Um, 
I usually make believe that you were older when I tell my students. They're like, when did you meet your wife? I was like, I was 18. They're like, how old she, was she? 35. And so uh, <laughs> for some reason to me, that's less weird. But um, yeah, right. so we've put so much work into our relationship that we very rarely have like blow up fights. Or if we do, it's almost laughable. Like we know, like, because we still know we love each other and that we're going to be able to work through it. Anyway, that stuff when that happens at home, it bleeds into my day. And now my day feels like it was like tainted. And so what I want to do is sometimes I'm just honest with my students and I tell them like, look, this is what's going on. Um, or I have something going on and I'm not in the mood. My a family member is getting in trouble. My wife was sick. My kids were up late. My dog was sick. I have a wisdom tooth that's coming in, whatever it is. I have that conversation with my students and I find that my students are largely empathetic to that. And the ones that aren't get checked by the kids that do are empathizing with me. Um, otherwise, sometimes if I just have a lesson that sucks, I'll be like, you know what? This lesson's not really that good. Like I thought it was going to go well. And this is why. Let me explain to you my, my idea here. But it's not. So like I'm going to change it because I want it to be something better. And I've done that any number of times. Or if kids aren't into it, I'll go like, if I still think it's a good lesson, but the kids aren't buying it, I'll say, well, what do you want to do then? Right? Like, what do you think we should be doing? So one of the things I get all the time, we had a half day last Wednesday, right? We rarely have half days. Um, and the students go, they come in like, yo, we just chilling today. Um, yeah, we are, except for the chilling part, like we're going to do work. And so they're like, Yo, we're not going to read today, bro, are we? I'm like, what do you think we're going to do? It's English class, man. You get upset when you go to math class and they hand you numbers? No, bro, because that's what you do. Like, if you go to science class and they give you, a, I don't know, whatever the hell they give you, a test tube or something, or a microscope, like, what did they do? Or a dead frog? Like, you just know how this is going to roll out. Like, I don't know why it's a surprise that you were going to read in English class. Or, or actually, literature class, because um, I don't even do the composition piece. So... It is um, sometimes stopping and saying, well, what do you want to do? And then that's a whole bigger conversation, but that's how I start that off. And then I have this whole thing I run through with them about like, why are we learning what we're learning and reverse engineering your life and this whole thing. And then all that gets them back on point. Um, B. Francis is saying, following up with what you're talking about, do you think we as teachers should work more towards individual lessons for our kids? I, you know... This is where. Wait, thing- can I interject? Oh, great. <laughs> no, oh, are you on camera? Look, you're I half, know, on camera. I'm half on camera. I'm on camera. You know. Uh, so I think for kids with like for like our kids and their particular issues, like I'm not so sure it's it's always about the teachers. Like I was always satisfied with our teachers. We had great teachers that were willing to do anything. Oh, for our kids, yeah, but I Absolutely. think that's what he's talking about. Is like the the vein of like kids needing more like specific instruction like children like ours right which is why we're gonna homeschool or private school because they just aren't getting what they need through a, a, a typical public school curriculum yeah I just don't think that there's I think it's the system I think there's a the system is broken and there's just a lot of things that they can't provide for kids that that learn differently like for like dyslexia I mean we always talk about that but like there's no reading program for my for our kid for years at our school they finally got one but they're still not putting him in it correctly because they don't 
because it's about money. It comes down. To, it all comes down to money yeah. with, within them. So we couldn't get them to do what they needed, what our kid needed due to money. And I think it's just a bad system that's set up. And so for our daughter who doesn't really have, she's like mild, slight dyslexia, but like it's more processing. It's just the overall speed of the day is too fast, too much, too intense for her. It like she needs something that's like dialed back. And I don't think that that you have the ability to do that in school as regular don't teachers. And I think that so my complaint wasn't with teachers, with great teachers. I think it's one, like like teachers that system. are just really worked with yeah. you regardless of what the system said. The other piece to that is that I by no means like I I've had folks like uh hit me up in comments or in DMs that say like but you are, like, are we just making things too easy for kids? I'm, I'm not interested in making it easy for them, but I'm not willing to like, if you can't do 10 pushups and run a half mile, I'm not going to put you in front of like the PX90 or whatever that exercise program is, right? Like I'm going to figure out something that works well for you. Um, but I get it. Like sometimes in classes, like I have kids that are all over the place in terms of what they can do. And it is difficult to try and personalize everything because you just, you can't, right. That's the system with which we work in. Um, and some kids like there's just not enough personalizing you can do for that. And I think it's, there's something to say about kids having to work through certain things, like so they can build grit so they can build um, a sense of like, not everything is easy or enjoyable all the time, but you just have to learn how to do it. But how can we learn how to do this and make the best out of it? So like standardized testing. I just had a conversation with a mentee last night that was saying like, um, how do you get your kids to do standardized testing? And I think it's by teaching them like, all right, guys, let me teach you the five like hacks in standardized testing. And like anything you call it, hack just sounds like more interesting. But then like talking about, um, all right, so things like, if they give you five answers, you know, one's going to be complete nonsense. You know, one is going to be the right answer. You know, one's going to be really close to the right answer, but it's, they're going to try and trick you. And so like walking them through what that looks like, walking them through like little tips and tricks. So it might still suck, but you could try and make it better. Or I I'm really, and I know I've gotten crap lately too, in the comment section about trying to make things fun all the time. But I just think I've had classes where I've made it sound like, like I'm like, yo, everybody hates standardized testing. Let's our class make like, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, so, and I do this with all kinds of dumb stuff. Like when people walk in my room, if you ever walk into my classroom, like if you're a guest or whatever, my students will either give you a round of applause or a standing ovation, right? And this drives people crazy but my students used to get all worked up like if someone came in and like it was awkward and like do we pay attention to that person do they need someone what's going on so it's like yo whenever somebody comes in i just like give them a round of applause like they're like they are the hero of the day and people either hate it or they absolutely love it like they're like oh thank you very much like you know and they like lean into it and so i think that we can it's that old like mary poppins it's a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down and I think we can do that in education. It doesn't take that much to make things magical. It sometimes it just takes a little bit of sprinkling of magic to make something awesome. Um, I hope that answered that question. I will say, although that we've had really great teachers, um, there is a big lack of sprinkling of magic. 
So many but, don't and this do is why. that. They don't I, know but how I don't to do think that. they think they can because they're they're what they're teaching is scripted and they don't see room for that. And so um but it's so it's so, so small. We so are, one day, wait, one day Birdie came home. Didn't he say they did something like uh, just a little bit different? And it like he was so blown away by that and so pumped, and it was the smallest thing that. Or was he had done. that tutor in the summer that would just relate things to stick bots. I don't think we have any stick bots around. Stick bots no. are these toys that my kids love. Like bendy at all the joints. Yeah, and you can like make like stop motion things out of them. And the woman would like ask him about it, and then would relate the lesson to the stick bots. And this was revolutionary to him. Like no one had ever done this yeah. before. And to me, that's like, that's my jam. That's what I do for everything is I relate everything I'm teaching to everything else the kids already like. So um, I think, but that's part of the reason, like, you know, I, and I'm not letting, I can't let this cat out of the bag yet, but like, we're working on sort of a training for teachers on how to do that, regardless of your, like, like trying to suffocate excuses, but in the best possible way, not like downing teachers, but sort of lifting them up and saying, here's ways that you can do that. Because I really so, think it's so small like we come from a, my children come from yeah. very 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 typical but not scripted, everyone's like, that person right like not everyone is like has silly, that brain sure. just like i don't have the brain to like do a lot of things in school like when people can plan real easily like that's just yeah. not or like organize their classrooms that's why everything has a friggin' label on it in my room because i can't like stay organized otherwise so i have to label every damn thing so i know oh this is where the pens go it's like, is that why you don't put anything back in our house? Cause I don't have labels. Maybe you should start labeling everything. Hmm. Okay. I, my new mother's day. Can I have a labeler? Oh my gosh. No, I'm making, I'm building you a fence. I'm getting you a dishwasher, which sounds like the most, <laughs> no, I actually, I it sounds like the most it. like, it's like giving you a vacuum cleaner. Here you go for your women's work. Here's a dishwasher. Please, I'm so excited right. to have a dishwasher. Allie is saying, uh, oh, combo classes are, I teach K1 and trying to do work with two sets of curriculums is overwhelming. Any advice on getting through the year teaching a combo? Uh, I don't, so I I don't know that I have advice for that. And, and I appreciate you saying that, but it, does anyone, could anyone take a look at, if you teach anything similar to that, you're teaching, um, like a combo class, you're teaching two sets of curriculum, or you are teaching that grade level, and that's sort of that thing. Could you speak to Ali about like what is something that you do that helps you out? Like maybe you all can just trade information even and have like a private conversation or do it right in the chat. It's up to you. Um, or I would suggest maybe going to the Real Rap with Reynolds Facebook group, which is Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Tips. Um, I don't teacher know how talk. I, teacher talk. Why do I get that? Well, because there's all kinds of girl you know why? Because I don't have a label on it right now. That's See? why I'm having a hard time with it. Unicorn Crop. She's if a you, label maker. Um, if you drop it in there, I know people love label makers. I know. Um, you could do that as well. Uh, <laughs> you have another question for me? Oh. No, because you're talking to me this week. I kind of want to give some of these away. Why don't you? I could. What will you do? Why do you want me to look for a question and come up with an answer all at the same time? Yeah. It's Mother's Day. Do it. So doing. here you go. Uh, while I'm waiting for this, if you want a free uh, like alligator water pistol, you can squirt kids with in school. Um, if you go to the latest video, I don't need to do anything special. Just put a uh, like alligator. alligator, and you have to spell it right. I 
think maybe uh, no just write alligator in the comment section and uh i'll put your name in like the thing that we use this online like winner generator and then it just picks people and i'll send one two three four five five of them wait one two three four yeah i have five other ones so send i'll i'll pick five winners and i'll send you a free alligator thing just because i feel like it um papercraft girl You've been on here for a long time. I see you in here all the time. I really appreciate you, and thank you for showing up. Um, I have the hardest time getting my kiddos to do their journal entries. Any idea to make it fun or interesting? Her ADHD really inhibits her academically. I, I think, for me, it's picking questions that kids actually want to answer. And I just found – I wish I had it here with me. It was in a couple of teacher talks ago. Uh, I went to Five Below, and they have, like, that book section in the middle of Five Below – they had a journal starter or it's, it is the color of like a paper shopping bag and it's just journal starters. And then there's lines under if you want them to write it in there, but I just take, I just copy those questions and put them up on my board. Um, I could also send you uh, copies of questions too. I have like a, like a Google doc with like, I don't know, 30 of them on there or something like that. So if you just email me and uh, make the subject line, like journal entries or something like that, I'll just send it to you. But they, they, um, what am I thinking of it? I find that like, if I make something fun enough, everybody wants to answer. So like the other week we had one that was what movie monster or fictional character, I think it was would you most want to be friends with? And so my answer was Chewbacca, of course, um, because he's the best <laughs> fictional friend of all time. But like, who would you pick? Um, and that could even be like someone that was like a villain because then like they would be your best friend, right? So whatever, whoever that was. Uh, and that was something that everyone wanted to answer. So like what song best represents you? That's always, that's on my wall in my room. Or um, what qualities do you think a hero has or who's your hero in your life? Like those are questions that kids want to answer. And I find that it's much easier to get them to answer those questions. Um, and also putting a timer on it. Like I don't, like I said, I don't put the timer on the board. I just keep it on my phone, but letting them know that they have a set amount of time. And at the end of that period, that five minute period, if they haven't started writing, if they've been doing something else, if they're drawing in their notebook, they miss out and they can't share. And you have to have at least five sentences to share your answer. If you don't, then you don't get to share. Um, and so like guys that were just screwing around have like one thing written or they wrote a word, you don't get to share now, bro. And that's when I try and make it really fun too. Like I play music behind their answers and that really works well too. Uh, Audra Smith is saying, how do we make the same opportunities available to every child, regardless of their parents' acceptance and understanding of child's needs? Ooh. I don't, I don't know. You can't. Okay. Um, I don't. So Audrey, that. Oh, wait. So then you wrote also your child, your children are lucky to have parents who understand their unique needs, but not, um, I think every child has that. What do you do with the students that don't have private schools an option? Look, I, I, I mean, I teach at that school, right? Like I teach at a charter school, but so it's, I do have more autonomy in the classroom, but my resources are limited. Yeah. Um, so I definitely have kids that whose needs are not being met. And sometimes we are lucky enough to be able to send them off to a school, like an our school pays for it and then they get what they need, but we don't always. And so I think that that is, I, 
so he, look, this seems like I'm, I feel like I'm cheating with this answer because I don't have a flat out answer. I, I don't think there is one. No, but I think that that's where the internet comes in to play. I think that's 100%. where things like Facebook groups and YouTube and online platforms where you're communicating, not just consuming someone's content, but you're communicating with others that are in the same boat or just have more experience and have been in the same situation. Because somebody out there has to have figured out whatever your issue is. And if they can do it, I think you can do it also. And so if we can if we can help one another, um, and I think the online platforms are key because it's hard to ask people in real life, right? Or you just don't know enough people, but maybe there's someone in friggin' Vietnam that figured out how to do it. Maybe there's someone in Germany, maybe there's someone in New Mexico that figured out how to do it. And if they have figured out how to do it, maybe they're willing to share how they did it as well. And so that's why I think this is so awesome because look, there's all these people in the, in the comment section that like, none of us probably even know one another in real life or like would never have met if it weren't for, you know, YouTube or social media or however you, you found this space. So utilizing that, um, you just don't know who you're going to meet. Like I've been, I've been talking with, I'm working on, um, some secret stuff with some other YouTube teachers and can I say who they are. Is that no. okay? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So like, I'm more, Wow, just put the kibosh on that. Um, well, I think you talk about those other YouTubers. All right, so I'm working with these other YouTubers and we meet weekly and we Skype. And it is so, like, it is like good for my soul because it's like other people who are in the same mix of stuff that I'm dealing with. And the idea, like, throw an idea out, have someone come back at you with something that you, someone that you trust. And then you start this back and forth, creates ideas about things that you just would not have had otherwise. And it is like, damn, like no one understands teaching like teachers. It's, it is the same thing of, as like when you have kids and you're having a hard time with your kids, you can't ask someone that doesn't have kids that thing. Or it's hard to even ask them that had kids like a long time ago because they just look back at it as like it was so much easier than it was. Um, you have to ask someone that's like in the shit also, like you have to, those are your people. And so I, I don't always have answers for those things, but it is worth it to reach out, to find someone who's like same grade level, same situation, same kind of neighborhood, same kind of school, same kind of admin. education teacher. Like I think of Sunflowers in Sped, like she's wonderful. Oh yeah. So like puts up resources. So in terms of, in terms of, of special ed, if you, if you don't follow Sunflowers in Sped on Instagram, like she's awesome like just the most special magical kind of person i think richard royster may have met her too she just like beams sunshine like when you see her i just feel like rainbows follow her or something like that (laughs) there's a glitter in her seat when she gets up um reese tm is asking i consider doing my master's degree in english so that i could score jobs as a lit teacher as well i already teach history and social studies is that a good idea so reese i think here's my answer about that I, more job opportunities are available if you have your master's. Sometimes that depends on where your master's is from, right? So I thought about going back and getting my master's. And then I lost a job at one point to someone who had their undergrad from Harvard and their master's from Penn State or from U- University of Pennsylvania, right? Which are two Ivy League schools. If I got my master's from like a state school, like from Temple University or from Rowan University around here, like that doesn't, that's not going to measure up to them. So I think that's part of the equation too. So like, where are you getting it from? I don't know if that's going to matter in the type of schools that you're going for. 
So I would sort of reverse engineer it, maybe think about where you want to teach and then see what the requirements are for that place. I know some states require master's degrees now, or you have to have like at least a certain number of credits towards your master's to keep your, your job. I, on the other hand, at this point, I just, re- I just don't see the value in it for me. Like, I don't think the things that I'm learning in school as a, with a part of a master's degree are going to teach me that much or teach me stuff that I can't find online or in a book. Now, look, that's me. Um, other people learn better in different ways. So, but, so I don't have like a full answer for that. Maybe somebody else has a better answer for that, but that's kind of where my head goes. I'm thinking of that. Um, Catherine Johnson is asking, how do I encourage my hardest working kid with learning disabilities after he gets a bad SAT score? Look, I mean, I think Catherine, those conversations for me, come down to reverse engineering your life. And these are the most powerful conversations I've had in the last year. Cause that's like, I, so look, for those of you that don't know, and this is, I'm going to try and make this not the longest answer you ever heard in your life. Hmm. I, so the wife for life and I have uh, board meetings every Saturday morning. Um, and sometimes Sundays where we just talk about business, about life, about where we're going, about what we want. But in the last year or so, We have really reverse engineered our whole life. So I know exactly what I want. I know the house that I want to have one day. I've been there. I've driven in the driveway. Somebody else lives there right now, which is, you know, a problem. It's hard for me to live there. Um, I know that I want, um, I know even the extravagant things that I want one day, right? Like I want a sauna for like, I really want a sauna bed because I want the health benefits of that are something I've read about for so long and they're not that expensive. Um, I know that I want a pickup truck one day. I, I know all of the things that I want in my life, right? It's all planned out. And then I know how much they cost. And then I know how I'm going to get there because I've, I've figured out what I want and then how much that costs and then how much that costs a year and a month and a day and a, you know, a week that I need to make. I know where I want my kids to go to school. I know how I need to get them in there. I know all the requirements for that stuff. So I had this whole thing reverse engineered. This year, I started having conversations with students that wanted things, right? Like, and I've used this example before, but I have a student that wants to, to be a nurse. He is convinced that he doesn't need nursing school to be a nurse, or he doesn't have to graduate high school, bro. You can't just show up at, at a hospital and start nursing people, right? It's weird <laughs> and you will get arrested. So let's reverse engineer what you want, right? So I ask my guys, like, what do you want? Big picture. Like, if you could have anything you want in the whole world, what do you want? And they always have these skewed ideas of what that looks like. Everybody thinks they need a million dollars. That's the number I get every time I ask about this, which is funny because, Bill, you brought that up on, on Impact Theory Podcast mm. one time. Um, it's always a million dollars. And then when I have them figure out what their life looks like, it's always way less than that. It's usually somewhere between $80,000 and $200,000 a year, which is still a lot of money, but it's a hell of a lot less money than a million dollars. And then, so how are you going to get there? You want to be a nurse or a nurse practitioner? This is what you need. Like, so let's go on to the school's website. Let's figure out what you need. And then this is what you need to become a nurse, right? So even if you go the community college route, you need to graduate from high school to get into that program. It's two years. And then you start off, some of these guys, they will start off making more money than both their parents currently make now. And so painting that picture, right? So if I had a student that had did poor on the SATs, why do you need to do well on the SATs? Or do you need to do well on the SATs? Because like, 
for me, I sucked. Like I got my name right. And I just like, that was not something I did well on, but I went to community college. So it didn't matter. So I didn't need SAT scores ever in my life. It was a total waste of my time because I was allowed to matriculate to another school without having shared my SAT scores because I already did two years at a community college. So I think that's part of the conversation I would have. And then talking to kids about not everybody's good at all of that stuff. Like I'm, a, I'm, I was never a good test taker. I had to really, really work on it over and over again. And it does not say anything about the person that you are because you're not good at something like somebody else is good at baseball. Like somebody else is good at, at reading really quickly. Someone's good at problem solving. We're all good at different stuff. We're just not all good at the same thing. That's like why the Avengers is the greatest kind of movie because you have all these superheroes that have all these different strengths. And like, if, if Hawkeye ha- and Black Widow had to go fight, you know, um, I'm forgetting the dude's name, Thanos, they would have lost. The Avengers would have gotten destroyed, right? But they needed all these different superpowers. And so that's the route that I would go talking to that kid about. Uh, oh, well, someone said that he could be um, a military nurse. They do their own training. So I'm told. Oh. That's what Diana Forbes Oh, interesting. I wonder if he would do that. Yeah, it's an option you can talk about. I feel like military could be interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought when I read that, I thought, oh. Dude. That's a good idea. Thanks a lot for that. Um, who was that? Diana Forbes. Oh, thanks. Diana Forbes is always on here, too. Yeah, Spreading yeah. knowledge. Um, what's the average size of the classes you guys teach? So my class is... If they are CP, college prep, which is like not honors, it's like like the kind of like regular level class, um, which like where most kids land. That's what I mean by regular. Um, those dudes, it's about 27 kids in a classroom, 25 kids in a classroom, um, which our principal has really worked hard on at bringing that number down because it used to be like 30, 31, 32 kids in the classroom. I've, I've had as many as 35 kids in the classroom. You're really going to eat that barbecue right next to me. Nobody needs to know that. Why are you speaking that public? <laughs> Went to, for barbecue this afternoon. I am. Yeah. I'm really hungry all of a sudden. I didn't eat the rest of my sandwich. Shh, um, continue. My guys that struggle, so guys that are on like a lower reading level that really need that extra help, we only have about 15 of those dudes in a class, and that's co-taught, which really helps that model um, out. Got another question there? Barbecue? Mm. Ricky Bay, Ricky Ray, what's his name? Bobby Ray. Bobby Ray. Hold on, there's lots of chat. You're making me want to pray to the baby Jesus now. Because that is like one of the funniest parts of that movie. Uh, Peter, Peter, I apologize. I'm not good with words and I won't be able to say your last name. But Peter is asking, compared to when you started your career, how much are you experimenting with content assignments now versus then what experimental i think that thing has been the most successful that you now use a lot um i experiment more now than i ever have just i think because i'm more confident right so like um i i think it was but my biggest probably my biggest success was actually having conversations with students. So like at some point I was like fed up. Um, I, I, I think I have a whole video about this where in my first year I had a project that I worked out that I planned, I worked on like meticulously. I thought it was going to be awesome. And then it was, it sucked. Like within the first 15 minutes of starting it, like the kids, like nobody wanted to, I have this one rogue hair. It's making me crazy. Um, these, uh, 
no, nobody wanted to do it. And so I had to, I stopped the class and I said, well, look, what do you all want to do then? And without being condescending or passive aggressive, it was like, how do you want to learn then? Or what do you think we should be learning about? And kids started throwing out ideas. I said, look, like it has to be in the, in the world of, of English. I have to be able to like, you're reading, you're writing, you're working together. You're, you know, these are the sort of things in my curriculum that I need these points I need to hit. But under that umbrella, what does this look like to you? And we actually came up with a plan for a project that is to this day, when I talk to those kids, it is something all of them bring up. And so that was like one of those things. So we did, um, we ended up turning my room into an art gallery that was based on the Harlem Renaissance. So everyone got someone from the Harlem Renaissance that they had to research, they had to write something about them, they had to create something about them, and then they became the curator of their own exhibits. From there, we did, my first year was the first time I did children's books also, where like, I thought there's so many elements in children's books that are the same as they are in short stories, but they just take a lot less time to read. But we're still studying things like exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, those sorts of things. So on a base level, why would I read this entire story to get the gist of that when I can make it something that is relevant, like that is is faster moving and I can check for understanding. And then we scale that into like grade level text because of course, like I'm not going to read children's books all year. Although I think there are a lot of children's books with really complex ideas and themes in them. And so if you want to start with theme or or, uh, symbolism or conflict, like we can do it through these shorter stories or or like younger books. And then that was an experiment as well. Things like projects, things like having kids stay after school, things like experimenting with even like eating lunch with my students, with um, teaching through the lens of things that they already like. The whole hip hop class was a total experiment I was sure could have been a total disaster and ended up being one of the best things I ever did. Um, this year I taught a lot through Pixar shorts. So like, um, the little short, like any Pixar movie has like those little tiny movies in the beginning of them. Most of them are available on YouTube for free. And I taught through those, uh, videos as well. Cause they're short, they're to the point, And then I, I tie them into the lesson. Um, so yeah, I still experiment a lot and especially this time of the year, whenever it's like leading up to a break and you have some more free time, cause you've kind of gotten through your curriculum to that point. I, um, you're really, you're really housing that. No, I'm not. Stop it. That potato salad. Potato salad in there. Um, <laughs> so that is, uh, I can't believe I just did that. That that's, <laughs> so I still experiment with all that stuff. Um, that's a good video experimentation in the classroom. Uh, Jerry, Chris is asking, how do you feel about the zero grade grading policy when students receive a 50% on assignments below 50? Uh, I'd really be interested. Richard Voicer, I'm really interested in what you have to say about this as well. Um, Tracy Pinter, I see you in there doing work. Thank you. Uh, student copying is problematic. I can see when some students aren't doing their own work. So I think cheating is so rampant anymore, especially because kids can just take a picture of someone's assignment with their phone. Looks like they're doing something. Looks like they're doing their own research, but really they're just copying answers. I I think it's a. Wow, I, I didn't even think of that. Oh yeah, I didn't have that when I was in school. I when don't I think the answer here. for this is binary because I think 
some students like so the, the, the what I the way I'm taking this is my old school used to do this as well. On at my old school, you couldn't give kids less than a 50% on their on their report card, right? So if someone had 13 in your class because they did zero work, they never came to school, they still had a 50 or 55, right? And the idea behind that was that there was still hope for redemption, that they could still bounce back at some point. My problem with that and with giving kids no lower than a 50 on an assignment, even if they didn't do it, is that you are, you are discounting the work that students are doing that are working hard. So that, to me, what the way I equate that to my students is like, if you work a job and let's say the two of us, I'm going to put, oh, you're eating, I'm going to put you on here. The two of us are working and you go to work only five hours that week. And I work my full 40 hour week or, or I, or I have like, I work 20 hours, but the boss says the minimum you can do is give someone half their pay. So even though you only worked five hours, you're still getting paid for 20 hours. But if I work 20 hours, that doesn't even make sense, bro. Like that. You're like, a sucker. Yeah. Cause so now <laughs> what that, I think that's teaching kids is bro, just work less. And then you don't have to worry about it. And I think in in yeah. today's society, and I mean, I'm going to sound like a total old, old dude, but like in today's society, there is this thing where like we are, we're essentially teaching people how to get something for nothing. And I just think that's not a skill I want to teach my students. Now, look, I have, I, so I fail kids. And if my, even in my old school, when they used to change my grade, because the school would go in and change the grade in the grade book that I had on my legal document, I would go in and change it back. Or I'd go in and leave a comment that said, this student actually had a 32. The school felt it was a good idea to change the grade to a 55. And I don't agree with that, but that's what's in there. Um, the, the problem I have with that is that I'm the type of teacher that does believe in redemption. I have definitely had students that have started off rocky. They've gotten such a low grade that first trimester that it was almost impossible even then for them to bring their grade up because they didn't decide until halfway through trimester two that they were going to try. But when you find out someone's story, when you build relationships with students, when you know what's going on, you find out they were in foster care, they were living in a basement, they were being abused, their mom had cancer, whatever was going on. I always, if I find something out like that, or I know what someone's has going on, I will always um, have a time at the end of the year where it's like, look, I realize you had a hard start. I'm going to make this deal with you, which I do not do with everyone. But if you put in the work, I will, I will help you to like, we're going to like backtrack and learn that information. And then you'll get grades. I'm not giving anything for free. It's like when we lived, um, and I got this idea from when I worked when I, we lived in Africa right after we got married in Zambia, we were told not to give locals money. Don't just hand out money, give a job, right? So whether that's someone's like, which makes you feel like kind of an ass because like, we, I mean, we had someone that cleaned our house, someone that did our laundry, someone that mowed our lawn. I was capable of doing all of those things. We were, but there's something empowering to doing the work yourself. And so that is the conversation I have with students. So that's why I have a problem when we just make these binary decisions where it's like we're gonna no one gets under a 50 but wait but some kids deserve to get under a 50 mm -hmm. like it's like some kids deserve to fail some kids I've seen students that have failed freshman year and it is the best thing that ever happened to them they actually became great students like going forward have had great experiences because they got punched in the face by the by the school system and it, it essentially um, or punch themselves in the face and realize, yeah, that's what happens when you do that. Like you made a 
bad decision, you learn from it, and and that's it. So sorry, long rant, short question. Um, all right. So Jerry's also asking, how much classwork do you assign each week? How long does it take for you to finish grading these assignments across all class periods? And do you grade for completion or accuracy? Um, it depends. So I will grade. So let's say if um, it's a Monday morning, we do vocab words. Students all get vocab words um, and they have to write them on note cards, right? That's the first part of their vocab assignment for the week. Um, graded for completion. Journal entries, as long as it's five to eight sentences, I'm going to trust you. And I tell my students, I trust you. So you give me a reason not to trust you. So if I see that you're just writing nonsense or you're writing blah, 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 blah. And, and that, like, if I figure that out, now I'm going to grade your stuff for accuracy, right? But I'm trusting you that just the act of you're, you're critically thinking, you're connecting your own life to the story that we're reading. You are sharing that out loud. Then I just give you credit for actually completing it. Now, if it is a skill that we're working on, like being able to find evidence within the text, looking for being able to, um, so if you're saying that the shell in Lord of the Flies is a symbol, you have to back that up. So I need to know that you're backing that up correctly. So I, I, I do that for accuracy. Um, and some students like I will grade, like if there's a study guide, I wanna make sure that your answers are accurate but I'll look at some of your answers. And if I see that they're, they're on point, then I don't need to grade all of the answers. Like I can see that like you, you were on, you're on the job. But if I see some kids like just wrote anything, all right, now I got to go check your whole paper. So it's, it's a both end. I do not take work home though. Everything I do, everything I grade gets done in school. And I get laughed at constantly because people are always saying like, your nose is always in your laptop all the time. It's like, yeah, bro, that's why I don't ever have to take anything home because I'm not messing around. To me, work is work. And although I I do a lot of silly stuff, I do play around a lot in, in, in between times, the majority of my time is just spent with like my head down, grading stuff, getting things done so I don't have to take anything home. I'd rather come into school early or stay late than take anything home ever. Sometimes. Um, and classwork, I give work every single day. Uh, so there's always something to hand in. And the, the, the main reason for that is my students are driven by points. And that is a fight that I have like, I'm not always willing to have. So like, if I say, if you talk again, I'm taking a point off. Everyone's quiet. If I go, if I try and talk about the intrinsic qualities of like being, you know, a better student, like not everyone like wants to go there. Cause it's like, so we're not getting points for this. Like, are we getting points? So is this for, is this for, we're getting graded on this. Like I just say yes all the time. Sometimes I'm lying, but they don't do things as well or at all. If you tell them it's not for a grade. Uh, Papercraft girl is getting a refrigerator for Mother's Day. So there we go. Appliances. Appliances and fences. The fence is more for you than it is for me. The fence is because my neighbor, one neighbor, likes to garden in his boxer shorts all the other all the time. <laughs> and then I have true. two drunk racist guys behind me that just yell crazy stuff, and I don't feel like looking at them anymore. Okay, here you go. So, living in the city, that's what you get. Um, Fran B. Francis is saying, I'm thinking of utilizing standards-based grading because the parents are and kids are so psychotic when it comes to regular grades. What are your thoughts on standards-based grading? Um, so I don't have to do that. I look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, 
I'm going to phone a friend here and say, does anyone in here have thoughts on that? Because I don't have to do that. And I don't get a lot of, I have a handful of parents that communicate with me at any given time, right? Um, and I realize that some schools, like I have friends that teach at like uh, really well-off schools that like don't have any discipline issues, but parents email them like every five seconds. So Randy was saying that like at his school. Yeah. He, so I have a friend that went from teaching at my school in West Philly to teaching at a super bougie school in California where like they have their own barista. So I was texting him one day. <laughs> I tell you this. Yes. I was like, bro, um, I, I text him something crazy that happened at school. And he goes, yeah, I hear you. Our barista was uh, was late this morning. I didn't get my latte before class. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like we have a Keurig that works sometimes in the office. Um, but he said the trade-off was he was getting through tons of content, but the emails from parents were like mind-boggling. They just happened so much. So, um, so I don't necessarily have an answer for that. I'm wondering if anyone does in the side. Um, so Brenda Park is asking, how much cultural diversity training does oh brother does your staff have since you teach at a primarily African American student population? Brenda, the reason I'm saying oh brother is because um, there's there's not there's not. Let me see if I want to make a definitive answer on that. You have some sort of PD. So online they always there is. I don't I don't know. So we do. I look. Oh, man, this is a really big conversation. I, I think the people that want to be trained on that are going to get trained. I don't think it's the training always happening. Like, or gosh, look, I, I think I, I'm a big believer in this. I think you have to really know who you're teaching in order to teach them. So if I moved to North Dakota and got a job on a reservation teaching students from a certain like, Native American tribe, right? I would want to know the history. I'd want to know where they live, how they live, what the history of the of their people are, like, um, and 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 everything in between. But not everyone's willing to do that. Like, there are definitely people that I've worked with in the past that drive from their home in in Niceville to the school that I teach at, and they never like bother going home a different way. Like go down a different street, go a different way. See where you, if your kids are talking about hanging out at a certain park or at a certain corner store, like go to that place, get a sandwich from there, like drive past that park, take a walk through it. If you feel okay about that, like, um, I'm not saying put yourself in danger because there, there are neighborhoods that are very dangerous and you're just not really sure what's going to happen. Um, but like, be mindful of the place that you teach, like be mindful of the, of the people you're working with and what is, and not just lumping them together. Right. So like, I'm sure that even though I teach young African-American men, um, the experience of my students is going to be different from people that, that teach in Chicago or St. Louis or LA or New York. Like it's a different, um, community of folks. And so, even if I went from teaching, so I taught in Camden before, which my students were about, I guess, 50-50. Like, it was African-American and then um, Hispanic students. But, like, with my African-American, like, I had to know my neighborhood. And even though I taught African-American children there, and then I came to West Philly, like, I didn't pretend like I knew anything. And that, that was a lesson I had to learn, really. But, like, I, I got that, like, it's not the same thing. It's not the same neighborhoods. It's not the exact same problems. And so it's about educating yourself on that. 
So I think we do get some training. I don't know that it's the best. I, I'd like to see more, but it is definitely something that I think teachers can start to do on their own as well. And then you have to get teachers to believe in that, to teachers to see value in knowing where their students are coming from because that's so, so important. Um, yeah. Yeah, one more? Yeah. All right. So I, we got time for one more because it's Mother's Day and I have some stuff planned for the uh, not-so-secret wife. Um, Hannah Burdekin? Burdekin? Burdekin. Um, I've got PGCE interview tomorrow. Any last minute tips or affirmations? What is a PGCE? Is it? Brett, Hannah, I want to answer that question. So maybe we'll do one more. Hannah, what is that? What does that mean? I, is it? What is that? A PGCE. Does anyone know what that is? Someone just said deep breath, lots of eye contact and confidence. I don't know what that is. I'm going to say an interview for anything is, all right, so I'm just going to, here's how we go. I, I think, first of all, I look, let, let's, let's end with this. I think all of us, all of you that are on here right now, right, are far more awesome than you realize, right? I think that we forget how awesome we are because we get stuck in our heads and because we have this negative self-talk that starts the moment that you wake up and follows until the moment that you go to bed, right? Where we beat ourselves up because your pants are a little bit too tight or you had too many beers last night or, you know, your hair is not the way that you want or you're looking at everyone else on social media or in your school and they seem like they have their shit together and you don't or you're not married yet, whatever it is. I think most of us are far more awesome than than we think we are. Like uh, Henry Rollins said, most people, like we are born Porsches, but we treat ourselves like we're beater cars. And when you remember that you're a Porsche, maybe you'll start acting like a Porsche. And so I think when you go into that, having, I, don't, I wouldn't say being, co- so there's a difference between cockiness and confidence. Cockiness is uh, what I tell my students, because I teach all boys, is going to the party and just thinking you're going to hook up. Everybody's going to want to hook up with me. And then sit back. Confidence is walking up to the person that you like and asking them to go out on a date or to make out or, or go for a drink or whatever, right? That's the difference. And so I think when we remember that, we can walk into a situation thinking that who, whatever their decision is doesn't have anything to do with me necessarily, but it has everything to do with their perception of me, right? So like, what are you bringing to the conversation? I think it's also... Something when you go into an interview, it's letting those folks know that it's important to you, that you want to work there. This isn't another interview along another line of the 10 other interviews that had that day that you're just like trying to get a job. This is my name. This is what I do. This is where I went to school. It's like, no, I'm excited about the idea of working at your school. I've looked you up, which is what you should do. Look up their website, see what they're about, see where they are, see the population of students and what kind of programs they offer, and then bring that to them. Yo, I saw your robotics program. It looks amazing. Yo, I see you guys have a lacrosse team. I played lacrosse in college. I would love to be a coach and to do something with that school, um, with your school. So you bringing that knowledge of who they are, letting them seem like they are actually, or and let them be somewhere that you're really excited about being, and then showing your actual excitement about the job. Why do you, like, no one wants to hire someone that's not stoked about the position. I see you're trying to, you're so, no, you're not. on the edge, like, just tell me something. I thought. Um, so that's what I would absolutely do. Postgraduate certification of education, teacher training in the UK. So yeah, this is why I'm stoked about going to your school. This is why I'm stoked about education. This is what I want to do. This is what I've dreamed of since I was a little boy or a little girl or since my 
mom died or after I decided that clown college wasn't for me anymore, which may or may not be my exact situation. Um, so that that's what I would show. I think that, and even if you're not that, like, you're not an exuberant person, like you don't, you know, confetti doesn't come out of your pockets every time you pull your hands out of your pockets. That's okay. But you can still come across as the person that you are telling them that this is the position for you, that you're willing to bring your all and that you can't wait to get started, that you really hope that they pick you um, because this is where you're going to go anyway. Like I'm going to, I'm do this anyway. And I can either be a good reflection of your school or a good reflection of somebody else's school. But like giving me the opportunity is not something you'll ever uh, regret having done because I'm going to bring it with everything that I've got. Anything else? Cool. Um, no, no. If you go on to the uh, day in a life video, leave uh, a comment that says alligator. Did you say it, or an emoji? Yeah, the you can, or you can leave the alligator, alligator emoji. Uh, we're going to give away five of these things just because they're fun. Stand in school, you put a book over your hand like this. No one will ever see it. And as kids are walking down the hallway, they're squirting with water sometimes. And it's really fun. Um, and if you get fired for doing that, then Sorry. Have your principal call me. I'll have the conversation with him. What we're trying to do is disrupt education and make something that's actually fun for students to do. And it's just a break in, in the monotony of school sometimes. Um, sorry. Yeah, I'm really sorry if I didn't get to your question, but I'm trying to get to something. And um, it's really, it's just hard. But I love you and I'm glad that you came, you showed up, and I'm glad that you took the time to ask questions and to answer questions. I appreciate all of you. And to all the moms out there, I hope that you have a great Mother's Day. And look, to be honest, for all of you that, that don't have a mom that's around anymore either, I really appreciate you. And I, and I hope that you have uh, good memories of your mom. I mean, that's what I'm trying to think of this year. You know, I lost my mom when I was 22. My grandmom I just lost last Christmas Eve. And so uh, it's a different feel for me doing this. So um, I am trying to be grateful and, and, and mindful of all the great memories that I have of those folks and all the things how they made me the person I am today in so many ways. So that's it. God bless all of you. Um, that was weird that I just said, God bless everyone. Even right. though I, well, I do, but it's just like, I don't say that. I usually just say peace. And then I talk about how this is an awkward ending. Cause I got to hit all these buttons and make it stop. Here we go later.